Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Callen here. As we talk about the weekend that was at Kansas Speedway, it was a four races race weekend at Kansas Speedway. You had the Cup Series race on Thursday, trucks on Friday and Saturday, and then, of course, the Xfinity race on Saturday as well. Denny Hamlin found his way into victory lane for the Cup race. That's where we will begin. Denny Hamlin was your winner. Brad Kozlowski, second. Martin Tricks, Jr., third. Kevin Harvick, fourth. Eric Jones, fifth. It really seems like a while back now here, Phillip, uh, that the uh, Superstar Batteries 400 was ran. A lot to sort of look back on. You know, another race that Ryan Blaney had a really fast race car, but, uh, you know, was a top-five car for most of the day, couldn't close the deal, and ended up with Denny Hamlin in victory lane. But one of the things I'll always remember from that race is how good Kevin Harvick was in that final restart. Pulled up, almost looked like he almost put himself in the opportunity to win that race. Harvick hasn't had the speed he's needed the last few weeks, and I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind there. But what a restart, and really a, re- a great restart for Kevin Harvick. But at the end, it was Denny Hamlin. He was just too strong for anybody else to catch, and Hamlin ended up in victory lane. What are your thoughts on the Superstar Batteries 400 from Kansas? Well, Clayton, I mean, it's a typical, you know, the 550 deal. Uh, you had more leaders because they didn't have grip strip on there, so you had the ability to kind of drive all around all different grooves, run all three grooves, but then that was kind of taken away in terms of the um, being at night, so then they had more grip, meaning they could go wide open. Uh, which which is a shame, uh, but in the end you saw the the two guys that have been up there all year in in, in Hamlin and Harvick. You also had two guys that have had their moments as well during this season in Keselowski, who tried unsuccessfully but ended up finishing second. You had Truex there as well who has made uh, his his name uh, in recent years running those one-and-a-half-mile tracks. So you got Al Marola is there as well. So it, the, the usual suspects were there. You even had Kyle Busch win a stage, his first stage points of the year. So you, the usual suspects were up there when it counted. Uh, Hamlin was able to finish the job. And... Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. They're going to be coming back there during the, the chase. So how much of this race actually uh, goes and transitions into that day race in October or whenever it is, you uh, will see. Uh, you, but, you know, you got to give uh, credit where credit is due. Old Hamlin seems to be uh, on it this year. It's just a case of whether he'll – he'll choke and spit the bit in the playoffs like he's done uh, multiple times before. Yeah, there's no question. I think right now when you look at the season, who's the, who are the favorites? You know, Harvick and um, Denny Hamlin certainly come to mind. But somebody else I've been really impressive with so far this year, and Spencer, I'll go to you on even though it's, it's uh, Phillips' guy, and that's Brad Keselowski. You know, Brad and his two team, they got off to a little bit of a rocky start to start this season. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they've had the greatest year speed-wise because I don't think they have. They seem to, you know, not have the greatest speed. But really at the end of these races, they find themselves in the top ten towards the top five. 
no matter what. And that's a sign of a team that has really has some, some good things going. If you can not, still not have speed and still find yourself up there and uh, you know, up towards the front of the field and running really, really strong, that's a really good sign. So Kozlowski, to me, might have been even more impressive because, again, he was a top five, top ten car, wasn't really up there all day. But when this came to shove and, and the money was on the line, Kozlowski went out there and finished runner-up. I was very impressed with his run uh, at Kansas. Anybody else besides Kozlowski stand out to you, Spencer, from uh, from Kansas? Yeah, that's definitely a good pick. I mean, he was very strong. Um, really strong. I mean, you could sit there and say that he might have been a little bit better um, than Hamlin there at the end. But I thought it was a great race. Um, you know, I mean, it's not the, you know, it's not the best race. Um, but I thought watching, you know, Brad try to run down Hamlin, that I, I really – I truly enjoy, um, you know, there at the end, when a guy is leading, but you have that second guy just right there, and he's trying to find that little bit of speed on the racetrack, trying to find that right line, to get up to his bumper, move him out the way, or make a clean pass. I really enjoy watching that. And some people might say, yeah, it's just two cars all by themselves out front for the lead. But I enjoy trying to see where he's trying to get speed and pick his line and see if he's faster, his lap time's faster. Um, so when it comes to that aspect, I enjoyed that um, with Brad trying to get around the eleven. But um, as far as the guy that really stood out to me, he wasn't up there all night, but he had a good finish, and that's Eric Jones in fifth. Um, you know, it's not about where you run in the race. It's about where you finish. And, you know, he need, he needed that points day um, because, you know, Jones seems like that fourth guy at Gibbs where he's kind of behind everybody. You know, he has bad luck, um, bad luck, with you know, with anything. You know, gets caught up in an accident. Uh, something happens on the race car. Um, you know, he's, he kind of reminds me of Blaney trickles off that one, that one year, that one win a year, but doesn't dominate. And you always feel like he's, you know, he's right now he's outside the playoffs. And I think it was like that last year. He's right there. He's always trying to get it, find his way in, but he had a good point today. And that's all that matters. It's where you finish. So, um, for him to be able to get a fifth place finish, that was, you know, some momentum on his side and it might turn their season around. Yeah, uh, Eric Jones really needed a good day. There's no question about that. I think anybody can agree um, that he really showed that he could put himself in the right spot there at the at the end of these races and get himself some points. There's no question about that. But to me, the call of the race and the race that I was surprised, somebody that I was surprised to see was William Byron. We've been sort of hard on him on this show, and I think rightfully so, um, that he hasn't really performed the way he should have so far in his career in the Cup Series. But for a moment there, and, and obviously when it got later in the going, he, he dropped off with older tires. But for a moment there, it looked like that 24 car was going to really be a car to compete with for the victory. Uh, Darian Grubb, I think, brought him out on no tires there. And that was a call by Darian Grubb. And obviously Chad Canals probably had some, some say in that, but Canals was home uh, with his wife who's expecting a child. So, uh, Grubb, or excuse me, not Grubb, it was um, uh, Keith Rodden on the pit box there for for um, for William Byron. So, obviously, Keith Rodden there made a great call, uh, kept him out on, on old tires, and for a second there, it looked like William Byron was going to go out and maybe pull off a, a surprise victory. 
didn't happen, ended up 10th, but uh, I thought a very, very uh, gutsy call by Rodden. Um, and, you know, as somebody who's who's an organization that has really struggled with speed here lately, Philip, I felt like that was a really gutsy call, and it really worked out better than I thought it was going to when he took the tires originally. Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. I mean, the when we've seen in this recent trend with uh, these uh, all the cookie cutter tracks they've been running in this uh, recent or races where you go and get track position and you get the clean air, you're able to make something happen. Austin Dillon, of course, a couple weeks ago at Texas. Uh, William Byron with Keith Rodden going aggressive to try to uh, maximize position because in the end there was a there's a little bit of demo derby aspect going on to the race. They were having uh, there was a lot of cautions, so you go and get yourself track position, get clean air, and Byron's up there and he held his own, and that's really it's one a product of the the rules package. Another one is actually being able to utilize that uh, that place and, and do what he needs to do. Byron, in his career prior to getting to a cup car, has shown his ability to win. Um, whether or not he himself is really adding as much to the deal other than just going and turning the wheel is for another discussion. But on Thursday night, he actually looked like the part. He looked the part of the guy who probably should have won a truck title, did win an Xfinity title, and uh, won Rookie of the Year a couple years ago. And uh, it's something that we have to see what he's going to do. I don't know what New Hampshire is going to look like this weekend, um, but he needs to kind of keep on that upswing as we get towards the, the cutoff to the chase so that he makes it and uh, it's a tight deal for him right now. For sure. It was uh, it was a race that you touched on it a little earlier there, Philip. saw a lot of caution flags. Um, you know, in all the races, we're going to see from that, remember, from that race was the one when Ryan Priest went to the inside wall and just slammed the inside walls, and it was a very, very scary accident. When we originally saw it, you know, uh, I want to give Seth Sharp a shout out on Twitter. He said it looks it reminded him a lot of the Steve Grissom crash from Atlanta back in 1997. If you remember that one, uh, it was the last race ever at Atlanta's old configuration, and it certainly did look like that, a lot like that. Except Grissom's ended up a little bit worse as far as the back end went out of that car and everything. But uh, it was a scary, scary wreck. There's no question about that. And, and just kudos to NASCAR safety, but. You know, there was a lot of wrecks and a lot of guys who really couldn't afford a wreck there, Spencer, and that puts these guys in, in different, in difficult situations moving forward. I pointed a guy like uh, Jimmy Johnson, who hasn't had a win yet, and he's right on that cutoff line. Matt Benedetto, who's had a couple of bad weeks here and now finds himself on the cusp of being knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, even Joe Logano, you know, we want to start seeing him have some momentum. He was knocked out of the race. Ryan Priest needs to stop the bleeding. You know, it just seems like every week he has something go wrong with that 37 car. So a lot of wrecks and a lot of guys who really needed to have a good weekend found themselves in that misfortune. What were your thoughts on that, Spencer, as far as uh, 
that storyline from Kansas. I can't preach it enough. You have to be on it every week because if you're not, you get caught up in wrecks. The points mean, I mean, that's what you race for. Yeah, you race for a championship, but without points, I got news for you. You're not going to get to compete for a championship. Points are what you run for. These guys run for points week in and week each week, and you have to be up front. You have to collect stage points, and if you wreck, it's going to hurt you. It really is going to hurt you. You can be right there 16th. You wreck, you can be 17th, 18th, because around when you get around that cut line, it's close. So if you have a guy wrecking 16th and those guys that are 17th and 18th have a really good night, the odds of you going 18th could be are probably very high. So you cannot afford to wreck. I understand it's racing you're going to wreck. These guys don't want to wreck, but you have to you, – you just can't. I mean, you wrecking and, um, you know, it could come – I mean, down the last race and you might get in on a guy wrecking because it's that crucial. It really is. I mean, you. there's really no room for error in the sport of NASCAR. I mean, unless you have a win, you know you're locked on. Yeah, you still don't want to wreck, but if you do wreck, you know if you fall down a couple times in points, you're still going to go to the playoffs. But if you're not in the playoffs and you're fighting for that playoff spot, you can't do that. I mean, we're down to, what, six races, I think. Um, Daytona's four weeks away, I believe, some, somewhere around there. Um but, yeah, so you have those guys that are wrecked and they're fighting for points. You know, really those guys in, down there at the bottom of the playoffs trying to get their way in or are in, like you said, Matt Benedetto in the 21 car, um, he really has no room for error. These next last couple weeks, he has to be spot on. He has to be running up front. He needs to be up in the top ten to get stage points. Hell, even win a couple stages. That, that, that 21 car really cannot make any mistakes. And, they, I mean, I think you guys would agree on that. Um so, you know, like as for Logano, he wrecked. He can afford to wreck that one time. You know, he has wins. He's fourth, I believe. So, I mean, um, it's not. It doesn't hurt those guys so bad, but it's the guys down mm-hmm. at the bottom that are fighting that it really hurts. So, um, I'd love to see that twenty-one car make the playoffs. I know Blaney did it. Could have made it to the final four there when they were racing at Phoenix. Uh, in 2017, they, you know, all the history with that team, it'd be cool to see um, them go to the playoffs and have Maddie try to win a race and get their 100th. Um, so I'm really pulling for that team, but um, really no room for error. Yeah, and when you look at that cutoff is what you were saying, and, and those guys who are really in that spot now, in, in that danger zone, uh, really it's from about 14th to 19th where uh, I think you look at it and you say that's – where the danger zone is. You know, I think Bubba Wallace, unfortunately for him, he's had a really good year, um, but I think he's just a little too far back as far as making it on his points. Now he can certainly win uh, maybe at Daytona, uh, either the road course or um, the final race of the regular season. I think that's sort of why NASCAR did this was to sort of add drama into that final race of the regular season. Um, But I think as far as points are concerned, you know, that's sort of where, where the danger zone is. You know, you have Clint Boyer there, um, he, above the cutoff right now, is uh, 32 points above William Byron in 16th. And then you have uh, just a little bit lower down there is, is Matthew Mandetto, 15th. He's about uh, 25 points ahead of William Byron. And then you got William Byron in 16th. And then 10 points back of William Byron in 17th is Tyler Reddick. And then 12 points back of William Byron in 18th is Eric Jones. And then 20 points back 
or 18 points back, excuse me, in 19th is Jimmy Johnson. Uh, so right there to me, Philip, is the danger zone between Boyer, DiBenedetto, Byron, Reddick, Jones, and Johnson. Uh, of all the guys I, I just laid out there, who are you most concerned about as far as missing out on these playoffs? Uh, Jones, Reddick, Johnson, Byron, DiBenedetto, or Boyer? Who's, who's, who are you most concerned about? I it, it has to be Johnson, you know. You it, it's his final year, seven-time champion, eighty-three wins. He hasn't won in three years, whatever it is. And you know, he had COVID, had to miss a race, so he got the waiver. But you know, you wreck out of some of these races early, like he has. And I mean, even at the uh, at Indianapolis, when Allgaier was in the car for the owner's point side, he got involved in that pit wreck. It, I, I have to be – because you we talked about Byron. He hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot over time, but he has points on him. He has, near, he has uh, nearly 20 points on him there. Um, it's it's really a case of their, that group there from – from Boyer on, and I would definitely be concerned for Jimmy Johnson. It's a good thing for Austin Dillon and Cole Custer that uh, they both won. I mean, for Cole Custer, that win launched him like five spots, and even with some of the bad luck he's had, uh, he's still been able to maintain. Um, But uh, it's definitely Jimmy Johnson because the performance at times hasn't been there for him to try to figure out a way to make the amount of points he has to make up to get back in unless he goes and, you know, gets a Hail Mary win uh, this weekend at New Hampshire or something like that. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. And you look at Jimmy Johnson's finishes since Martinsville. Now, obviously he missed Indianapolis and that has hurt, that hurt him. And that's really has hurt him for the playoffs, but, you know, since Martinsville, 16th at Homestead, 13th at Talladega, 21st at Pocono, 16th again at Pocono, 18th, 26th, and 32nd. Uh, just not going to get it done. And, and when you want to be peaking, and we usually see this 48 team, you know, when Jimmy was in his heyday, they'd start to peak right around this time and take off. They're taking a big nosedive here, and it's really hurt them in the points. Again, missing that race in the could be the difference between him making these playoffs and not. But that 48 team is not going to have a lot of speed. And I think it's be, you know, even more evidence that uh, Hendrick Motorsports themselves are, are a little bit down um, on their speed. And I think uh, Jimmy Johnson's sort of paying the price for that. But how about you, Spencer? I want to get your opinion on that, too. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys there who, you know, from Boyer on down, you know, we talk about Reddick, who's had a really good rookie year, but he's on the outside looking in. You know, somebody else is going to miss these playoffs other than Jimmy Johnson. I think we can all agree Jimmy's in, in a lot of trouble here. But um, is there somebody else who really sticks out to you aside from Jimmy the way you sit there and go, oh, I'm really concerned about them, that's right there, you know, in that sort of danger zone? Um, yeah, I mean, Jimmy is a hell of a pick. If I would have told Philip, if you pick the same guy I'm going to pick, I'll give you $100. Well, he would have won $100. Um, I'll pick a different guy, but – the 48, I mean, obviously the guy, that his, his chances of making are slim to none the way they've been running. But another guy I look at is, uh, I would say those guys that you mentioned kind of 13th, I would say they were probably good. 
um, because they're not going to – you look at Boyer, he's plus 42. He's with Stuart Haas Racing. They're not running terrible. Now, can he afford to wreck lap five? Absolutely not. But I think he's going to run consistently – or I shouldn't say consistently. I think he's going to run good enough with the remainder of races that we have to keep himself kind of maintained in that area. That's all he has to worry about right now is maintaining. But a guy that I would say that is – that I would consider missing the playoffs um, is probably Jones. Um, you know, just because – and mind you, if I like Jones, I don't have a problem with Jones. If he ran a Chevy, um, I'd probably pull for the guy. Um, just the fact that he's driving a Toyota, I can't pull for him. I think he's a great kid, hell of a racer. But I don't – I think, like I just mentioned, those guys that are ahead of him are just running a tad bit better than him. So if those guys are consistently finishing in front of you and you're finishing behind them, you're not going to pass them in the playoffs. So they, he needs to find a way – he's only minus 12. He needs to find a way to beat Matty D, beat Reddy. That is your goal to beat them every week by five, ten spots. You know, I said, you know, you do that, you can gain 40 points, 50 points, depending on where you you can trickle your way up into the lower top ten of the stage and get a few points there as well. But you have to beat those guys. Reddick's been really strong. Yeah, he kind of he kind of drifted off those last couple weeks and wasn't running as strong, but he's still running good. Um, and it's Tyler Reddick. He's a hell of a race car driver. He's aggressive. He's young. And Matty D is in the Wood Brothers forward aligned with Penske. Penske's great. And Matty D has had a decent year so far. So he that is a guy that I would pick that is probably in trouble based, because of the way the 21 and the 8 are running. So Eric Jones in the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota is probably um, going to be the odd man out. Yeah, that's an interesting pick. And, and you know, yeah, the question and why I asked it, there was a specific reason. To me is right now – What's happening between now and, uh, you know, by the time we get to New Hampshire, I, that to me is when the championship and the playoffs, I should say, are going to be decided because there's not going to be a lot of, of um, car building going on from now until the end of the regular season. A lot of these cars are, are a couple of weeks ahead. A lot of these teams are a couple of weeks ahead of time. They're building their race cars. So right now they're probably building their cars for Dover and for Daytona and for other races at the end of the regular season. So what's going into these cars right now, what they're putting into these cars right now is going to have a big effect on who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. And it's a really tough question to ask when you say, well, other than Jimmy Johnson, because Jimmy's been scuffling here a little bit. But I think we can all can say all of a sudden that that 48 team finds it here and rattles off a couple of top tens. I don't think that's totally out of the realm of possibility, but it's so crazy when you look at the bottom end of that, of that playoff bracket because there are some guys who you say, well, that's a Gibbs car there. That's an RCR car. They got to win. That's a Hendrick car. That's a, uh, like you said, a Penske car virtually with Matt Benedetto and a Stuart Haas car. has got a lot of speed with Clint Boyer. So what's going into these cars right now, what we're going to see here in the next couple of weeks is really going to determine uh, what happens in these playoffs and, and who makes these playoffs. So to me, that's, that's fascinating that what these guys are building, as we're talking about them, you know, they, they were at the shop today and they're going to be at the shop tomorrow on Wednesday, you know, preparing for the, the final races of the regular season, and that's going to ultimately determine who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. So uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I can't wait. Um, I want to get both of your opinions on this here quick, and, and I know we've kind of 
haven't had a lot of, of silly season talk, but um, we have a, a rumor that's prop, popped up here the last couple of weeks. And I just want to get your take on it because we discussed it off air a little bit. And uh, I want to kind of get what you guys think. Lee Spencer, who's been known to, you know, uh, bring up a lot of, of different, um, you know, rumors out there from silly season. He came up with, with a rumor this week that Hendrick Motorsports could possibly move Alex Bowman to the number 48 car for 2021. And that 88 team that he is with could eventually shut down. Um, and they would go to a three-car team. They'd have to sell that charter, of course. But I'll go to you, Spencer, first, then we'll go to Philip on it. What, what were your thoughts when you originally heard uh, the rumor about Alex Bowman going to the 48? And, and do you think that's a move that could potentially help Hendrick Motorsports? There's different ways, and I'll tell you why, and I'll make it quick, because we could talk about – we could all three talk, have our opinions and go ten minutes. Um the way I would want to see it done is I would like to see if that if this if they came out tomorrow and say that's going to happen, Alex Bowman is going to the 48, the 88's leaving. I would like to see the 88 stay, retire the 48 with Jimmy Johnson. That would just make most sense to me. That's Jimmy. When you look at 48, you think of Jimmy Johnson. You think of Lowe's. You think of I think of Lowe's still, and I think of 48. I don't really think of Ally. Um, what he's done with the 48 number has been tremendous. You can sit here and say he is arguably the best guy that has ever been in this sport besides, you know, the, the Petty, the Pearson, and the Kyle Busch and the, and the Intimidator. He is right up there with him he's, and Jeff Gordon. I mean, he's done everything the sporters that got the offer. So that is what I would want to see if a car would have to leave. Keep the 88, move the 48, retire it. Um, I could see it happening. problem is we all three talked the charter – Who's going to buy the charter? Um, you know, we sat there and talked about there's not a lot of team, there's not a lot of people that would buy the charter right now. You would have to get a new owner to come in and buy that charter to use it. They're not going to close that team down and just have a charter sitting there. That's a waste. Um, you know, there's been rumors that I've heard a rumor. I don't know if you guys have that James Finch might come in. He could come in buy that charter, bring in Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson could start his career back, get his feet get his uh, feet in the right track, anything can happen. But I don't think anybody in this sport right now that is already owner will buy that charter because the teams that are that are big, they already have four teams, and that's all they're allowed in the Cup Series anyways. So um, that is an itch. That's a key. To, that is a uh, big portion of it is the charter side of it. And another side is, is you have Rick Hendrick is not getting any younger. You know, I can't tell you his exact age, but he's, I mean, you, how old is he now, Clayton? 70-something? High 70s? I, I don't know he's off the top of my head, but I would say he is seven, mid-70s at least, yes. Right. So he's getting up there in age, not getting any younger. And, you know, there's no telling who's going to take over that team when he is gone. Um, so it could be a good reason to start downsizing a little bit, a little bit, bit less stress off of him. Um, there's all types of ways you can look at it. If that is the case, um, you know, it could help with a little bit of performance. It could make them a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they could take all that money and put it into three cars. But then, you know, you those sponsors that are with the 48 can split half the year with Bowman, and you can still keep all those sponsors and just move them around right. car to car. So 
Um, I mean, like I said, you can sit here and talk about it online. There's a lot of there's a lot of things you have to look in at, look into it. So um, that's I guess that's my view on it. Rick Hendricks, seventy one years old for the record, but um, yeah, that, you brought up a lot of good points. There's no question about that. There, there's a lot to go into it, um, and and I guess where I'm going to go with your with this question is Philip, and then I'll let you you you, uh, you you can comment on it as well, but. You know, what do you think is the benefit now with four teams? Do you think there's a benefit now with how everything is and how these cars are built and um, what you learn at the track? You know, and, and if practice is, 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 you know, cut down a little bit, do you really think there's a benefit to have four teams still? Or do you think four is sort of, you know, just kind of redundant now? The thing I would think about with four teams is you're gonna look. You could lose Greg Ives. You know, Greg Ives is a crew chief over there. That 88, and you got Cliff Daniels there, of course. So somebody might gobble them up, or, or they have to reorganize. You know, have to um, reorganize them somewhere in the organization. But do you think there's still a benefit to run these four teams uh, that Hendrick has, or do you think it's it's sort of you know counterproductive to run four teams? And, and what are your thoughts on that? I I mean. Both you and and Spencer made great points there in terms of what's going on and what we talked about a few days ago when it came out. Uh, Running four teams, the fact is Hendrick was the one that wanted a four-team limit all these years ago. Uh, It came from Jack Roush having five of the ten cars in the chase back in 2005 when – uh, Roush Racing was at the top of the world. For people who can remember that far back, Roush Racing used to actually be good. Um, Hendrick complained. He wanted, he couldn't deal with the fact that, and Jeff Gordon missed, missed the playoffs along with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, and then the following year, Tony missed it after winning the championship. But beside the point, you're, you look at four teams having data sharing, in terms of that, it's better if you have practice. They're going to go back to practice probably. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. They said it's not going to happen this year, but I figure in 2021 they'll go back to back. So if you have the viable, you have the viable uh, staffing and the, the, you know, the drivers and all to do it, then it's fine. You know, there's teams that have tried to expand and it hasn't worked. RCR is a great example of that. Uh, for a while, it was a case for Stuart Haas. Penske at times has struggled with that. Hendrick, when you look at Hendrick over the years, they've had three, four cars, and there's always been kind of like one car that's been really bad, one car that's kind of meh, and then two that are really good. And in the case of the current day, you look at the Hendrick Motorsports team in recent years, especially since Chevy with the body style changes and all that, and with the Gen 6 cars kind of falling off, he's gotten more use interested in selling trinkets, and he has the most popular driver, albeit Blaney should be more popular. But he cares more about Chase Elliott selling trinkets than he does about winning races and championships. It's not the same deal as it was before. If, if he's going to get a deal from, say, Matt Colleg or James Finch or somebody to buy, give him $10 million or thereabouts for a charter like 
like uh, what's his name, Bob Levine wants. He wants high seven figures for his charter. Who's to say they aren't going to get rid of it? Who's to say he doesn't make a deal with Junebug and Kelly and they go and spin off the 88 and theoretically they run it out of the Hendrick shop, but they call it Junior Motorsports. I mean, there, there, there are ways around things. If Rick Ware can run seven cars basically in a race, then Hendrick could figure out a way to spin off a charter. So, I mean, I, do I think it's going to happen? No. Um, I figure we're going to see some young gun getting a 48 or, or Brad, as you said, way back when in January, Brad will get signed to drive a 48. Uh, but on the, on the chance that it goes the other way, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't really think it's going to happen. Here's my thing. And, I, and, and I, again, Spencer was a hundred percent right. We could spend an hour on this if we wanted to, but, Here's my thoughts, and, and I've been kind of con- pretty consistent with this. I do believe Ally wants a big-name driver, and I hope this doesn't come off as an insult to Alex Bowman, but I think they want somebody who can move the needle a little bit more than Alex Bowman. Uh, and if they have to settle for that, I think they, they would take that. But uh, I don't and, – and I just think it's so hard to sell a charter. It's going to be very interesting to see. I'd be shocked. I really would. But there was other news this weekend, Philip, that I want to get to, and, and I know you uh, – are a little bit even more well-versed as far as I am with Bob Bear and, Mo- and maybe even Maurice Petty, uh, two guys who have – Bob Bear, the, the former owner of Oxford Plain Speedway and New Hampshire Motor Speedway, he died at the age of 93 on Friday. And, of course, Maurice Petty, who was the, the great engine builder and the legendary engine builder, NASCAR Hall of Famer, that uh, provided engines for Petty Enterprises, his brother Richard, of course, and, and Pete Hamilton, who won the Daytona 500 one year. He passed away on Saturday. Uh, just some quick thoughts, Philip, on those two uh, and what you th- thought when you heard the news about Maurice Petty and Bob Bear passing away over the weekend. Yeah, we've, I mean, 2020 has definitely been a brutal year in terms of, uh, in terms of people, you know, when you consider, you know, a lot of lives lost or whether whatever bad reasons, unnecessary reasons and, et cetera, et cetera. And when you consider the guys like Maurice Petty, he was the engine builder for over 200 wins uh, between his father, Lee, and his brother, Richard. And he's one of the great uh, mechanics in, in the history of this sport, part of a legacy, part of what NASCAR is in motorsports is his families and he's one of the first, part of one of the first families in, Mo- in NASCAR and motorsport. Um, he, he was already, when he had made the hall of fame a few years ago, he was already in a wheelchair. So um, the fact that he was um, able to, uh, or that he, he ended up um, passing away. It's a shame that uh, he thoughts and prayers to the family in not only just direct family, but the whole entire uh, Petty clan. Uh, they've had a lot to go through um, in recent years. And when it comes to Bob Bear, people give him credit for bringing uh, racing, uh, bringing cup racing to the at least the, one of the, the tips of the country there, the Northeast for us. And uh, he, bringing New Hampshire Motor Speedway it used to be Briar Motorsports Park, bought the track, uh, made New Hampshire International Speedway, 
and uh, was able to run the Bush series for years. Great man, respected uh, for uh, for the way he he handled people, the way he 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 managed a track, and uh, he he had the foresight. And he was a forward-thinking guy. Um, if you connect the uh, Bruton Smith. Uh, used him as kind of a fall guy, unfortunately, because Bruton Smith's a scumbag. But you know the the fact of the matter is he he had the ability to go and and provide a good racetrack, and he'd listen to people, and he would go and fix things. And some some you know awful incidents happened at New Hampshire, but he went and fixed it. You know, he was willing to listen to the people and listen to the fans and take care of fans. And and that's one thing that I think of when it comes to our racetracks up in this in, in this area. A lot of them are, were privately owned or in the case, there are still privately owned. And, and Bob Bear uh, cared. You know, he kind of had the same deal as the Mattiolis, who you, you look at Dover and all that. Um it's a shame, and, but they're in a better place now. Hopefully they're not in pain and they're able to enjoy their time up there and meet some old friends. Yeah, it was a sad sad weekend uh, all around, you know, and um, just a real, real, you know, a lot of other celebrities had passed, and I, I actually had a couple of, of close friends passes, family friends pass as well, so it was a real tough weekend all, all around, but particularly our NASCAR community with, um, with Maurice Petty and Bob Bear. Uh, and I know there was somebody else who, and I don't want to uh, fudge your name here, so I'll, I'll go on Jason King and look it up, but he worked for Darrell Waltrip uh, at Junior Johnson. So um, Danny Scholl, his, na- his name was, he also passed. So uh, And uh, Brad Campbell as well, if you were paying attention a couple of weeks ago, Brad Campbell got into a car accident on his way to the track and on the way to the airport to travel to Texas Motor Speedway. He was a spotter for uh, DGM, uh, DGM Racing there, that 1936 team and 92 team in the Xfinity Series. Uh, he was a spotter for one of those cars. He got in an accident, and he passed away after having surgery. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to him as well. Um, and uh, those guys, Fred Campbell in particular, um, you know, he's a spotter. They don't make a ton of money. So if you have any – there's GoFundMe going around for him. So if you have any extra cash, uh, be sure to um, check that out. So getting back to a little bit lighter news here, getting back to Kansas Speedway, uh, we'll talk about the Xfinity race. It was the Kansas Lottery 250. Uh, it was a race that ended up with Brandon Jones in victory lane for a while. Spencer, it looked like it was going to be Austin Sindrick winning four in a row. Uh, he did 131 laps, uh, was, was dominant, but Brandon Jones on that final restart really found some speed. He was able to – it was almost like, like the clouds opened up, and he was able to just drive right through the, the field uh, – and get his second career Xfinity Series win. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race from Kansas? Quite honestly, I don't think that 19 card being victory lane, if uh, that whole caution deal with the 22 and the 10 being way past the 39 and then the caution coming out. Um, yeah, 22 was just right out front of the 10, and the 10 was side draft, and they were going to have a drag race down the back stretch and cross the line and have one more laugh to go, and then uh, I guess the guy in third gets credited for the lead um, after two cars pass him, and then the caution comes out. So it's, um, uh, I mean, I don't know what to say. 
it's uh, it's a deal where I guess their scoring monitor shows it, but I mean, if the light comes on and two cars are past you, I mean, the scoring monitor, I don't know. I, uh, you know, you can't, you know, whether it showed it late on TV or whatnot. I mean, you can't, if I could be wrong, I don't know how you, your guys' opinion on it is, um, you know, I, I know me and Philip was texting a little bit about it, what we thought about it. Um, but I mean, if that is the case, you cost two guys a win because that 22 and that 10, it was, it was their race. Um, they both got a good restart. And then, uh, I mean, it, it, that stinks for both of them. And I'm a big Ross fan. You guys know, I'm sure people who chime into the show or listen, they know it. Um, it sucks. It really does. It's for, if that's the case for NASCAR to screw up like that and cost them a win. But I guess like electronics don't mess up. Um, so I don't know. It, it was a decent race. The 22 was definitely the class of the field. He, I mean, led both stages. I mean, he was gone. Um, you had a couple guys that had really long-run cars. Ross was one of those, you know, a really, really long-run car. I mean, it took 30 laps. He would drop the six and take them off third, and it was time to pit. So you had guys that had really, really long-run cars. You had the 22 that dominant from when they dropped their green flag, even in the beginning of the race, to every after every stage. Um, that car was just perfect. It really was. And then uh, you had Jones there at my last restart come out of nowhere. I think he started seventh and won the race. So um, he gets another win, I believe. I forget where he won. Or, um, Phoenix, I believe he won. So that's two wins for him. He's in the playoffs and took Menards and Swiffer to victory lane. So other than that, it was a, it was a decent race. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of those things, the thing about the scoring loop and, and – you know, it's it can go either way. You know, you look at it and you say uh, it could go a lot of different ways. And and the, there's a couple of things. One, and a problem I have with it is you know, scoring loops are, are very interesting with how they work. And we've seen it in the past where not only this situation, but in the past where it's come up and kind of made people scratch their heads a little bit. But I, listen, that right there is the perfect example of what I've been saying for years is why I get and you know, I get teased about it a lot why i think we should run back to the caution flag and and open it back up again because you it first of all takes away an exciting finish second it just to me would would be a little bit more legit than how we currently do it and um i don't know i just you know to me it 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 could it could go on either way there's a bull straight call and they they made the call you know and unfortunately um it cost you know a couple of drivers a shot out of the win they probably should have had it um brandon jones capitalized and, and deserves to be standing in victory lane because he, he got the lucky break and, and, and won the race. Um, you know, that's that's my take on it. But, Philip, you know, I want to talk talk about Austin Sindrick here for a second. You know, here's a guy who, and, and rightfully so, we talked about it earlier, I felt early in the year he had to really improve on his on his oval track. Um, but here's a guy now who's won three races in a row prior to this one, was going to win a fourth, led 131 laps and finished second. Um has Cedric really grown here this year, in your opinion? And do you think he's put himself in the conversation with Chase Briscoe, uh, Harrison Burton, Noah Gregson, as far as guys who can win this championship here in uh, 2020? Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, I would have never thought that Gumby would be able to show up and win on an oval. And God dang it, he's figured out a way to win three one and a half miles, I mean, two 
on legitimate, you know, circumstance. And then, of course, Kyle fails at Texas. And he definitely, as Spencer said, uh, he should have won, or him or, or, or Ross should have won on Saturday. It's typical NASCAR. I mean, the caution that they called with Joe Graff, they 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 didn't call when Chase ended up hitting the fence as well. He hit the fence twice. They didn't call a caution on 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 Chase, but then they called a caution when Joe Graff went and gets anywhere near a wall. Under that logic, then Joe Graff would – there would be a caution every two laps because it's Joe Graff Jr. because he sucks. But the fact of the matter is with, with Sindrick, I mean, he's put himself – not only has he put himself in the points lead, which I just saw and I'm like, holy he, – he's in the points lead. But he's in the conversation overall because you're going to add – you're going to have two road courses here in the month of August at Road America and uh, the Daytona road course, which he's one of the only people, of course, Chase has also run there um, with the, with the whatever grand, I forget what series of Michelin pilot challenge. There you go. And so they're going to be at a distinct advantage there, but I would definitely give the edge because of Penske uh, to Sindrick. This is a deal where I've never seen the kind of potential in Cindric where he could be in cup, but you know, this last month they've kind of put things together and I, I guess we'll see how he can close and, and how he closes out this season. He could get on a run and then he might fall off. Uh, but he's been on a good heater here. Uh, some of these racetracks that we're going to be going to, are not are not cookie cutters, of course. So, um, can he hold his own doing what everybody knows him for, which is road courses, and then some of the other racetracks that we'll be going to, uh, going towards the uh, cutoff and going into the playoff. But I, I have to be honest; it's it's something that Austin Cindric's been able to hold his own and do what he's been doing. I mean, if they had Mid Ohio, it would be a real problem because that's his home racetrack. I don't know why they aren't going there. But whatever. He should. They, he would have been a definite favorite there too. Yeah. Listen, I, you're absolutely right. I'm with you. I didn't think. I didn't expect this from Cindric. Maybe next year, I thought maybe he could uh, really perform on a on a mile and a half in, in the oval tracks. And you sat there and said, okay, now he's starting to become, you know, a really good driver. But he's really done done a great job. And you know. Looking at the remainder of the, of the Xfinity Series schedule as far as uh, the regular season goes, you know, they have a weekend off, and then you have the August 8th race at Road America, like you said, and then uh, Daytona Road Course, that's a one, Daytona 182, they're calling it, the Road Course race on August 15th. Uh, and then I got two races at Dover and then Daytona. So Citrix put himself in a pretty good spot here. And, you know, as Chase Briscoe all of a sudden has hit a little bit of a wall, Briscoe, or, yeah, uh, Briscoe's hit a little bit of a wall, Cindric kind of taking it up here and, and been the, the lead driver of the uh, Xfinity series so far. So uh, at least in the last four or five weeks. So it's going to be four or five races, I should say. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if, if, if he can continue that through these road course races and, and through the rest of the regular season. And, and when the playoffs start, if he can continue that as far as the uh, conversation is concerned, um, as far as the Xfinity series goes, uh, there was two truck races this weekend, guys, at 
Kansas Speedway. Of course, you had the Friday night with the uh, Blue Emu Maximum Pain Release 200 uh, on Friday night at Kansas Speedway. Austin Hill found himself in victory lane. Then it was Brett Moffick, Brennan Finger, Matt Crafton, Derek Krause, Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Sheldon Creed, Johnny Sauter, and Todd Gilland, the top ten. Uh, also, we had the double the doubleheader weekends. So we had the EPT 200 from Kansas where Matt Crafton ended up in victory lane. Then it was Christian Eckes, um, Grant Enfinger, Tanner Gray, Ben Rhodes, and Austin Hill in the top six. And it was Derek Krause, Brandon Jones, Zane Smith, and Chase Purdy rounded out the top ten. Uh, Spencer, a lot of stuff going on in the uh, truck series, but who really stood out to you? I mean, Matt Crafton going to victory lane for the first time uh, in three years. Matt Crafton went to victory lane Uh Austin Hill getting his first win of 2020. Um, what stood out to you from the two doubleheader truck races this weekend at Kansas? Um, that GMS racing has really been fast. Huh, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, you had those trucks, Brett Moff, it was fast. He had he got caught up in some wrecks. Zane Smith was stupid fast. He's, and he's been really, he's been, pretty good even before this this weekend you know with when he was running i forget what race it was he was up front battling for the lead um so gms has really found some speed here lately uh you know chase won in their truck at charlotte so they've had speed pretty much all year uh, now it's time for them to for zane to get it get his truck in victory lane brett moffitt to get a win um and then For them to, it's it's a how can I say this? It's a uh, definitely a confidence booster for Zane Smith for how young he is. Um, you know, he was he went from Arca to trucks. He didn't, you know, he went from um, winning races that I forget what what team he was with when he was in the Arca series. But he went to he drove Dale skipped trucks, went to the Xfinity Arca to Xfinity and down the trucks. So he's he he skipped trucks and went to Xfinity so he didn't do his so hot in Xfinity now he's coming down here and he's running good he's learning the racetracks um and he's been fast and when you're so young I would at least for myself I was so young going up there and winning stages and getting stage points and competing for wins that's a confidence booster and that's uh, you know that can make the whole team run better you know it's like okay yeah we're up front we're you know we're so close to winning races so they've been fast and, um, but as far as both races, they were okay. I love the truck series, no matter where they go. I think it's the most exciting series we have. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, I, I don't know. It's just another race at Kansas. Um, hell, I don't even remember. Oh, and then Matt Crafton, um, for him not winning, you know, since 2017 at Eldora, you know, is him being a champion. It's it's weird saying he was a champion last year because he hasn't won in three years. It's just it's mind-boggling to me how you can not win and win a championship. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, in baseball, you got to win to win a championship. You know, and it's just it's 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 crazy how you can sit here and say he hasn't won in three years for how good he is. You know, when you think of the truck series, you know, two names really pop in mind: Johnny Sauter and Matt Crafton, um, because they're like they're the you know, they're the biggest names in the truck series. They've been around forever. So him to go out and win the race, and he was, he's was he been fast the past couple of weeks, and he was fast in both of those races. So it's not like it was a fluke. 
you know, he was up there with speed, and um, they had some bad luck earlier in the year, you know, going to wrecking out on lap one. So him to be able to win is pretty cool to see. Um, they're locked in the playoffs, and you know, just you know, he could repeat as this uh, back-to-back champion. So um, cool for them to finally get a win, and you know, it, it was really bothering that he wasn't winning. So um, cool for those guys. Yeah, it is sort of weird how uh, everything's played out, and and Crafton didn't win a race last year, but goes out and um, wins a championship. But you know, you bring up a good point. The, the biggest thing for Crafton was he's locked into playoffs now. He can catch his breath. You know, he was on that on that cusp, and you're right, he was he was very very fast. And I think even as a whole, uh, Thor Sport has shown some speed here in the last four or five weeks. Probably the more, most speed we've seen from that organization as a whole since they've gone to Ford. So they could be somebody to look out for. Ben Rhodes right now sits fifth in the points. We know Grant Infinger's done. He's won two races this year. Johnny Sawyer's 12th, but has had some bad luck. But I think overall they've had a lot of speed. And you talked about GMS. Those are the two teams right now I think that you look at in the truck season and say they have done really, really well. GMS, even Moffitt's starting to come together here recently, uh, getting getting with um, Chad Norris and him. Zane Smith, who's got Kevin Bono Manion as a crew chief over there, doing a great job. Um, they've had a lot of speed. Those are the teams that really stand out to me, those two. And, and of course, Weston Hill. I mean, you know, that's a single, car, a single truck operation there at a Tory. And uh, we've seen that truck perform very, very well. And, and listen, he's done better than Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks. That's hard to believe, but, you know, because when you think about the truck series and the flagship Toyota truck series team is KBM, and, you know, a Tory's done very, very well for them. So uh, certainly a, a lot to dissect. And um, what were your thoughts, Philip, on the, tr- on the truck doubleheader from Kansas? You know, we know we, we touched on a lot of it, but what, what really stood out to you from this truck series doubleheader? Um, and really uh, what surprised you, if anything? I don't know about surprise. I, I think, you look at Austin Hill, you mentioned it just now, finally going and getting his first win of the year. I, I mean, I guess we could go there. Austin Hill, before he got in the Hattori 16 truck, was, you know, just some all-saran, you know, kind of a field filler kind of guy, you know, driving, I think, the uh, I forget whoever runs the Spencer Boyd team or if it's him itself, but that that team where they they run with the uh, what's his name Fogelman in the zero two and the, and then he goes and jumps in the sixteen truck he wins Daytona off the jump uh, last year and you know he's okay and he got into it with Johnny Sauter and uh, Sauter got suspended and all all these things he he probably was good enough to go and win that title, but he didn't make the final four. Then this year, he's been accumulating points like crazy, hasn't been able to get the stage points or or get the playoff points or the win because, of course, you have uh, Kyle Busch and Clyde showing up and taking them. So for Austin Hill, he, gets, he finally gets that win. It, it's a big deal for that organization They've been running up there all year. Probably should have gotten that win at Atlanta. Uh, that late caution cost him there. Gave Enfinger those two wins. Uh, the playoff point situation is so close between, with all these 
drivers that there isn't going to be a very big, as of now, I mean, of course, there's a few more races to go, but there isn't going to be a huge gap between Grant Enfinger and, I mean, Sheldon Creed. There's only going to be three points starting the playoff, and Austin Hill's going to get the get the bonus because he's already 43 points ahead. I don't any and they blew an engine a couple of races ago and he's he's still forty three points ahead. So he'd have been he was like eighty points ahead and he lost all those points. So I I have to say that uh, I mean it's good to see the regulars be able to do their thing. Matt Crafton he's older than dirt. He finally won. Uh, it was a cool deal. Uh, it was I mean minus where they were racing. It was nice to see the regulars kind of be able to do what they had to do. Um, you see who is going to stand out. Uh, one other thing before we kind of go and transition into New Hampshire, right? Derek Krause and the Bill McAnally group. Uh, Derek Krause graduated from high school, and instead of going to his graduation, he ended up racing. He had a couple good finishes uh, this weekend. Uh, he had a seventh on Saturday, and he had a fifth on Friday. So big deal for him, guy who's won the West Championship a couple times, a lot of potential, a lot of talent there uh, for Derek Krause. Good deal uh, in terms of his uh, championship uh, opportunities. He's he's uh, standing ninth in points after the Saturday race. Yeah, he's had a pretty good year. I mean, he's a guy we know from the West Series – you're talking about Kraus. He's done a very, very good job in the West Series, Bill McAnally. Uh, the years before, a couple of years before, you know, won a championship there in 2019, won four races in 2018, and finished fourth and won uh, a race in 2017 and finished third in points. So, you know, they, they graduated, brought him up to the Truck Series at 18 years old, running, the, running a full schedule. He's done a very good job there, Kraus. And curious to see how the rest of this year goes for him. That's a solo truck operation. Um, they got Toyota backing, of course. But uh, he's done a very good job this year. There's no question. I think he's, to me, one of the bigger surprises this year. When I saw that team uh, announce they're running a full-time schedule, I said, okay, they're going to get his feet wet, and hopefully you know, that he'll do good enough to, to where he can graduate to a bigger bigger team, maybe accomplish motorsports or something to that nature. But right now they're, they're a very solid team there uh, in the playoffs, you know, 20, uh, five points ahead of, of Todd Gilland in 10th, in and then 27 points ahead of Tyler Ankrum right now. So, um, doing a pretty good job there, Kraus, and we'll see if he can keep that up as the rest of the regular season goes on. But, yeah, the Truck Series is very competitive, you know, and uh, if you're not familiar with the Truck Series as far as what the schedule, rest of the schedule is, I know it's been, you know, crazy with, with keeping up with all this schedule. The next race for them is the Daytona Road Course on August 16th – or, excuse me, Michigan. Sorry about that. Michigan on August 7th, they're going to run. Uh, that's a 200-mile race. On August 7th, then they're going to run a Daytona Road Course on August 16th, uh, and then they're going to run at Dover on Friday, August 21st. Remember, that's a, a, an afternoon race at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, I should say. They don't have lights at Dover, so um, that'll be a Friday, you know, when it's still light time out there at 5 o'clock. And then a Sunday race, they're going to run at uh, Gateway uh, on August 30th. So keep your eyes peeled, and they haven't announced the rest of the remainder of the schedule for all three divisions yet. But uh, if you're interested in that, that is um, what the Truck Series goes for the rest of the time. 
Okay, guys, uh, one race this weekend, and it's just the Cup Series uh, at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, of course. Um, it's crazy when you think about it because we've had so many races in such a short amount of time that we're only going to have one race this week. Um, it's the Foxwoods Resorts Casino 301 from New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, I'll start with you, Philip. Again, no practice, no qualifying, of course. We're not going to see that for the rest of the year. But uh, what do you think we're going to see at New Hampshire, and who do you think is going to be strong? We have to go back to the regulars, the guys that have been up there all year. Uh, they battled for this win a year ago. It's Harvick and, and Hamlin, two guys that have uh, made their name winning on the flat tracks. Uh, Harvick has feasted on the lobster a trophy here recently at uh, New Hampshire as well. Uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see no practice at New Hampshire. I, I wonder uh, how that'll look. Uh, I would also venture to see if, if, you know, based on SMI, they insist on putting uh grip strip everywhere. I don't know if they'll do that at New Hampshire, but if they don't, uh, it should be it should be two grooves. They'll have the flat. They'll have the apron working later in the race. It's a 750 race, so it should be a little bit harder to drive the cars relative to what they've been dealing with with the 550 rules package. But I would say that it, it starts and ends with uh, Harvick and Hamlin uh, in terms of who's going to go and stand out and uh, win this, and I figure uh, Harvick will go and hold his usual serve and go and get another win there at New Hampshire. You're probably right. I mean, it's funny how we are going to a race check that really plays into Kevin Harvick and, and Denny Hamlin's strengths, and they've been the two best drivers all year. And, uh, you know, when you look at uh, a guy like somebody else who's been really fast, I mean, he's got an average of 10.2 finish, which isn't bad. But uh, we haven't really seen him perform as great at New Hampshire. Same thing with Brad Keselowski. Uh, Penske really hasn't performed all that great. Logano hasn't been great here in the past. So um, they've done okay, but it's not really a Team Penske-type racetrack. Uh, so we'll see if, if Harvick and Hamlin will be the guys that can go out there and, and really perform well. How about you, uh, Spencer? Who do you got this weekend? Who do you think is going to be fast? And what do you expect to see uh, at New Hampshire this weekend? Yeah, I, can, I can't agree with Philip anymore. Um, those are my two picks, and I'm gonna pick those two guys. I'm not even gonna change it up because it'd be I'd be stupid if um I didn't put my money on these two. I mean, it seems like every year you're watching Hamlin or Harvick hold up the lobster there, and Harvick won it last year, and um, I mean those guys they really know how to get around that race that racetrack. And Kyle Busch has wins there too. Um, he, I think he won back there in 2017. I could I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure he did. Um or it might have been 2018. So one of those races, I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, the 4 and the 11 are just um, – they're so good there. And they've been – and they have a lot of speed this year, and it's really hard to not put your money on those guys. So the 4 and the 11, I hate to be boring and pick the same guys he did, but those are really just the – those are the guys, you know. So um, 4 and the 11. Yeah, and it's really a Joe Gibbs type of racetrack. Um 
you talked about Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch is going to never finish a 5.2 here in the last five races. You mentioned his win in 2017. He's done a great job. Truex has been up there all, all every time we go there as well. Uh, even Matt Kenseth, who, you know, right now in the 42 car, he's in a lot different situation than when he was in his Gibbs, but he ran really good there. And he didn't run good there when he was at Roush. But when he was uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, he won a race there and was very, very strong. So, you know, this is a, a, a Joe Gibbs-type racetrack. We talked about Denny Hamlin's success here. So um, I could see Joe Gibbs having a, a great weekend all, all around. Um, and, of course, you got Harvick, and, and we'll see what Stuart Haas brings to the table. But it's going to be fascinating to watch and see exactly what goes on. And, uh, you know, who's going to be fast and, and who can really pull away here. And New Hampshire's only one. We only go there once a year now, so it's not going to be a playoff race like it had been in years past. So it really isn't going to be indicative. You know, we're not going to really see anything that can translate over to the playoffs, but it's still going to be a fun race to watch. It's a little bit of a change of a pace from the mile and a half so we've seen over and over again. It's still not a short track, which would be ideal, but it's a nice uh, different change of pace for sure that, that we've seen than, you know, from the Kansas and the Kentuckys and the Poconos and the Indianapolis's, the big, wide, big-time speedways. Uh, we go to a, a smaller mile flat track at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So uh, we'll be here Monday night breaking it all down for you after the race at New Hampshire. Uh, Be sure to join us. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Good night.